You're, You're listening, listening to, to Death, Death Metal, Metal Disco. Disco. Welcome back to the Death Metal Disco Podcast. I'm James. I'm the host of the Death Metal Disco Podcast, where I talk about all kinds of dumb shit, usually. Uh, Often movies, often horror movies. Maybe not horror movies, but sometimes horror movies. And sometimes music, usually metal, usually death metal. Not always, but sometimes, most of the time, anytime. I am very sleepy, and I don't know why I'm recording at this hour of the day, but I am. So here I am. Welcome. If you're new here, again, my name's James. You're listening to the Death Metal Disco Podcast, if you haven't heard that five or six times by now. Uh, So in my last episode, I talked about a couple movies. In this episode, I'm going to talk about quite a few more movies. Uh, Last month, God, it's been a month already. Um, Last month... Chris, my best friend, one of my best friends, but my main, my best friend, um, and I, we did Telluride, the Telluride Horror Show, which we do, that was our seventh or eighth year, I think we went in 2016 for the first time, and we've done it every year since, if you encounter 2020, where we did it from the basement of him and his brother's houses, uh, both of which had, you know, home theater set up type of thing going on uh and not mine which has a living room of terror and doom and loki the cat so we did it there so telluride horror show first of all we go down to telluride the festival itself is a friday saturday sunday event um technically it starts on friday the closing film is Saturday night, but then Sunday they still show more films. Usually those are the second showings of most of the films. Um, but we usually go down Thursday, and then Thursday night they end up doing two movies that are usually old movies. Uh, this year it was The Cemetery Man, and I cannot remember what the other one was. The drive for us from Denver to Telluride, Colorado is generally about six and a half-ish hours, um, not counting stops for like gas or food or bathroom or whatever. Uh, so six, I usually plan on seven-ish hours to get there. That's usually not unreasonable. And there's usually, there's two main routes to go. You can take I-70 all the way west to Grand Junction and take Grand Junction, I want to say it's Highway can't remember. I want to say it's 50 um, south from there and get in there and do your thing from there. The thing about the Grand Junction route is that it is um, it's a little bit faster usually. And that's all fine and good because you're taking I-70, which just has higher speed limits through most of it. And it's less windy through a lot of it. However, when the weather is bad, it is truly bad because you're at higher elevations for most of it. And there's a lot more. It's worse for gas mileage for sure. And we end up taking his truck just because it's more comfortable than my GTI. And it's got four-wheel drive. And you need that. 
as a legal requirement if you don't have uh, all-wheel drive um, and or snow tires and chains. And my little GTI in the wintertime is a risk. So, or even late, you know, it's fall. So, could be bad, could be good. So, the other route is take 285 um, west into the mountains and the kind of weaves through. You stay at a more consistent elevation. Not a ton of super high climbs and then big descents or anything like that. It's easier on the gas mileage, a lot flatter. It is a bit slower going. Um, it's pretty. I think it's a prettier drive. Well, both of them are actually pretty. Um, less falling off the side of a mountain vibey than the I-70 route, but both of them are good usually. Uh, that drive this time took us 11 hours taking 285 just because there was construction last year between Morrison, not Morrison, Montrose and Gunnison. And you get into Gunnison and then it's like 90-ish miles from Gunnison to Montrose. And it's basically one highway, Highway 50, from between those two. And I want to say there's like a five-mile section that they are doing bridge work and it's going over the Gunnison Reservoir in various areas. And they last year they had it knocked down to like one-way traffic. You know, they you'd have to sit for... 15 minutes, half hour, I can't remember how long we ended up sitting there waiting for the stop sign flagger guy to let us go through while cars were coming from the opposite direction. And then they were doing nightly closers from, I want to say, 7, 7 p.m. to 5 a.m. or something like that. So I wasn't too shocked when we rolled up on some of that. But, um, yeah, the first, the first obstacle we had to deal with was we get down to uh, Monarch Pass, the little town we get to start driving towards Monarch Pass, which is risky because you get up to about almost 11,000 feet. And the pass itself, um, the first year we got on there, there was a pretty bad snowstorm. And we were in a rental car, and it had all-wheel drive, thank you, or thankfully, and a little bit sketchy. But, it, you know, we made it. It just goes slow going. Well, this time, I guess, the wind was so bad, they closed the pass. And we didn't have a single sign telling us until we got there, like right there. So uh, when that happens, Google didn't know about it yet. So Waze didn't know about it yet either. Um, and it didn't just reroute us anywhere. So we had to use Google Maps, um, Waze, and then try and manually plot out a point. I'd navigate us around. We ended up saving a little bit of time. Took us some time to figure out where the fuck we were going to go. but So we ended up getting to Gunnison. And then it turns out uh, we go through Gunnison. We're driving. I don't even know how far into Gunnison we made it before we stopped for what would have been that normal traffic waiting for the the opposite direction to come through and finish. And then just see everybody start doing U-turns in front of us. And they tell, you know, signs about the highway closing. And they're closing now. We're like, what the fuck? And again, Google and Waze and stuff didn't know about that. So now we have to navigate forever far away and go up. Uh, they're telling us to go back until we hit this Highway 91, I think it was. And I had looked at that, and that shit was very, 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 very windy, which, no big deal. I just knew it was going to be slow. Like, if we're doing 30 miles an hour, I'd be surprised. It turns out that was 
a little bit on the fast side for that windiness. But then you also climb up to a stupid high elevation, um, which I was surprised that it was as clear as it was considering Monarch Pass was not far away and that shit had got shut down. And it was nice and clear. And it was beautiful views as long as you didn't think about the fact you could drive off the cliff and die. Um, but anyway, that six and a half, seven hour drive turned into 11 hours very quickly. And uh, that was a bummer. But, you know, we missed the Thursday night movies because by the time we got into town, uh, we just said, fuck it, got some food. And then I was so fried. I was just like, I need to go to bed. So that's what we ended up doing. Um, missed the Cemetery Man. And I can't remember the, the other movie, but no big deal. Needless to say. On the drive back, we ended up just going up to Grand Junction and taking I-70 across, and that was fine. And I have a feeling next year uh, we'll probably take that on the way down there too, just in case of the stupid shit again. So the last episode was relatively short. This episode won't be just because I have a lot more stuff to talk about. Uh, we saw a whole bunch of movies. Um, let me see if I have that list here. I do, I do, I do, or I did, I did, I did. So, okay, so the other movie we missed was The Changeling. Um, so the movies we saw on Friday, kicking it all off for us, we saw You'll Never Find Me, we saw Sleep, we saw The Sacrifice Game, and we saw Late Night with the Devil. Then on Saturday, we saw Frogman, The Origin, I Will Never Leave You Alone, Eight Eyes, and the coffee table. And then Sunday we saw Falling Stars, Infested, It's a Wonderful Life. And we skipped a movie called All You Need Is Death because we decided to take our time and get some food instead. And then we closed it out with a movie called Suitable Flesh. I'm going to talk about most of those um, to some degree. Uh, give my impressions on them, which one was my favorite. With some honorable mentions and... There's a couple that I'm just like, eh, won't even talk about it at all. And you'll piece that shit together. So these are not necessarily in order um, in any way, shape, or form. But the first one I wanted to talk about was sleep. And I wasn't sure what it was. Like, I, if you've listened to any of my Telluride episodes before, I don't do any research on these. Chris puts the schedules together, which for him has been a challenge because he hasn't been as into horror movies lately as uh, he used to be. Just uh, his divorce left him needing laughter, so he watches probably more comedies now. But um, but he does all the scheduling because he'll go and he'll look at the, the thing and maybe he just has more time. Maybe I'm just too lazy. I don't know. Um, he'll piece together um, the, the schedule that we go see the movie from the schedule that they put out for their program. Uh, but Sleep is from South Korea, and I'm a fan of South Korean horror movies. They they uh, generally don't fuck around. They, they uh, are very keen on the drama. They love to have the story be intense and emotional, and that's part of why I like them a lot because it's generally very raw. It's, it's a lot more... It's a lot more emotional than like American horror movies are. It just has more feeling behind most of it. Even if that movie is absolutely brutal. Um, Train to Busan is probably my favorite South Korean horror movie. And uh, 
it's a zombie movie and I'm over the zombie thing. I'm totally done with it. Couldn't care if I see another zombie movie ever again. However, Train to Busan, I will always recommend. It is just so fucking good. So if you get a chance to see Train to Busan, I recommend it. Sleep being South Korean, I was like, oh God, this is either going to be insane or it's uh, or it's not. Um, and it wasn't. It was insane, but it wasn't wasn't anything like Train to Busan. Actually, if anything, it was, it was kind of like Train to Busan. No zombies, thankfully. Um, but it's about sleepwalking. Uh, it's a husband and wife. And if I don't know what kind of research they do for their casting. But this husband and wife, as the, their characters are husband and wife, I should say. If these actors have known each other beforehand I wouldn't be surprised because the dynamic that the two of them had in the movie to me it seemed like they they did they they were just if it wasn't for them I don't think this movie would have been nearly as good and I I like this movie a lot it wasn't nearly as brutal like some of the other Korean movies um it wasn't anything like like Squid Game even uh as far as the brutality that goes into it it had a couple moments but it it wasn't uh wasn't to that level it wasn't on the level of like the wailing or the sadness or 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 those it was kind of uh like a less fucked up version of the old boy that same vibe it had a lot of comedy a lot of humor between the male and female leads i think they were great together um i would happily watch them in any movie as long as they get to be playful like they were for the most part in that movie uh, before she got crazy, I think they actually made that movie. To be honest, but it was it was great. I really liked it. Another one, and this is probably tied for my favorite from this year, was called Late Night with the Devil. I forgot to look up the dude's name. He's he's starting to be in a lot of damn movies. Um, he plays a talk show host who is uh, basically it takes place you know back in the. I don't know, Johnny Carson days, maybe even earlier than that. Um, Ed, uh, whatever those fucking old talk shows. It was a throwback to the old late night talk show era. Um, not the modern versions of it, but the older older school of it. 60s, probably. Um, I liked that idea, but it essentially is, um, you know, uh, it's a sort of a possession story, sort of a are you really an asshole type of story? It, I don't, it was just really good. It had an eerie vibe throughout, very pensive. And the, some of the acting wasn't very good, uh, from some of it, but it definitely was like, if Jerry Springer was a late night talk show in the sixties, instead of a daytime talk show, um, had kind of that aspect to the actual talk show portion of the movie. But then with a, like a paranormal psychologist type of person who is treating a girl who is possessed by the devil. And it uh, it goes, it's a character study is, is really what it is, but I think they did such a good job with all the characters and the, the character development of everybody in there that it was, it's a lot. It's part of it is horror and part of it is drama is, is the way to say it. But there's some funny stuff in there that, you know, it'll make you laugh at how ridiculous the whole scenario is before everything gets 
crazy and and wonky, but that was one of the uh, midnight showings, well, late night showings, like 10 o'clock, 10.30 showings, and it was perfect for that because it was fun and it was it was just bonkers. So I liked it a lot. So Late Night with the Devil, I recommend it. I recommend Sleep for sure. My, I'm pretty sure it's my favorite from that. I think Chris's was Late Night with the Devil, but I think my favorite from this year was Frogman. By name alone, Frogman was not going to be a winner for me. Uh, after seeing it, however, seeing is believing. So Frogman was basically, it's a found footage movie, which if you've heard me go off about it before, found footage to me is, is it needs to die. It just, it's just so overdone, it's overplayed, and most of them are awful. Either they're awful for reasons such as the terrible shaky cam footage because they're using an old, uh, you know, Sony Handycam camera or whatever. For me, I'm just, there were movies that did it and movies that don't, and most of them don't. And uh, this one was a hybrid, so it wasn't purely found footage. It was it was a mix of, you know, it's a the story of a guy who sees a creature known as the Frogman when he was a kid, and people start talking shit about this guy as an adult now, courtesy of the internet. And he's like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna go find this guy again. I'm gonna get fucking definitive evidence that he exists, and go from there." And he gets out, you know, his best friends, and they go and do this. It was kind of like a love letter to the Blair Witch Project, the way it was done. Um, not the way it was done, but the way it looked, especially through the little Sony Handycam thing that he was using, uh, and some of the jokes that they had, and and some of the, the, the shot setup that they had in there, uh, I'm pretty sure was very much just inspired by Blair Witch Project. Um, but it was so it was so good, like... It was a perfect mix of humor showing the three characters just talking about things and doing things and interacting with the townspeople that they had to go through and talk to an interview for this documentary that he's trying to do because he's trying to make a documentary about this frogman character that he found as a kid and got on camera so that it's it's a more of a real thing and basically reestablish himself as a successful person instead of a loser that somebody on the internet called him out to be. Uh, the humor was great. The found footage stuff was surprisingly good. I thought it was going to be terrible. The moment I saw it, started seeing that it was going to be a found footage movie, I was instantly, I was like, oh, fuck, I'm going to hate this fucking movie. But it, I actually liked it a lot. It was fun, um, which is important to me. For Especially if you're going to do a found footage movie, you better make it fun because they're just so, so overdone. Um, but it was, it was great. Uh, the, the vibe between all three, the, the characters was, was great. The story kind of goes off the rails a little bit, but it was fucking great. Like, like you just have to, if you can appreciate like a controlled chaos type of thing, there was, it's, it's hilarious. And like, what the fuck am I watching? And oh my God, like if you can imagine in real life things like this happening, which I think for me, like I said before, is half the allure of watching movies like this to begin with, um, then you'll enjoy it. I think Dan Myrick and Eduardo Sanchez 
and I can never remember the third guy's name from that made the Blair Witch Project, uh, I think they would, if they haven't seen it, they should. And I think, I don't know Eduardo Sanchez, although well, I'm friends with Dan Myrick on Facebook, and I've actually talked to him at the Malai Horror, Horror Film Festival a few times, but I think he would appreciate this. I think he'd probably love it, to be honest. Um, not sure about Eduardo and the other guy that I can never remember his name. He's got a beard. That's all I remember. But Frogman. I recommend Frogman. Check that out. If you're into fun movies that are just kind of ridiculous, there you go. So movies with titles like this next one um, generally do not inspire a lot of confidence as to how well I might like them. And like I said, I don't read. I don't generally don't even read the uh, plot lines that are in the program for the film festivals when we go to them. I'll see the name, maybe look at the picture if it's got one. Um, if I even look at the program, I didn't even look at the program this year. I didn't look online. I didn't look at uh, the print. I didn't even bring a program home with me, mostly because I forgot to grab one. Chris has like four or five of them probably, but I forgot to grab one. Um, but this one's called The Coffee Table. Let that sink in. The Coffee Table. The only thing I knew about it, and that was because I heard somebody else talking about it, is that it was in Spanish. That was the only thing I knew. It was in Spanish. Uh, I believe it was made in Spain. Or, Fr or maybe it was French. I think it was Spanish. I've totally drawn a blank now. Um, but it was it was a foreign movie. I'm pretty sure it was it was Spanish. Um, and now that I think about it, I'm not even sure it was Spain. Can't fucking remember. It might have been South America. Totally, it wasn't Mexico. That much I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure it was Spanish, but I whatever. It doesn't matter. It was foreign language. Um, the Telluride volunteer, the host who entered, you know, they have a movie. I have a guy or a person uh, come in and intro the movie. And if there's one of the filmmakers uh, that's there for it, um, if they're there, they'll maybe do like a quick Q&A or introduce them or let them intro the movie. Um, but he was talking about this. And as he's introducing the movie, he's like, all right, I hope you guys are ready because this movie, he's like, we're all going to laugh and we're all going to hate ourselves for it. And that was probably the most accurate thing that happened ever in the history of the world. This movie was an insanely dark black comedy. And for those of you who don't know, black comedy means like, you know, dark, 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 dark humor, not like Medea. Um, yeah, that's my little sidebar about that. The opening scene was absolutely fucking hilarious. It's about a husband and wife. The wife being eh, quite a few years older than the husband. Um, and their newborn son. Relatively newborn. Like, I don't remember how old they said he was. Maybe a month old. Um, looking at buying some furniture. And they're talking to a furniture salesman. And he convinces them to buy this coffee table because the wife gave the husband the choice of picking out this one piece of furniture. And he chose this ugly fucking coffee table. And it's their whole argument. 
and it's hilarious. And the opening scene was fucking hilarious. Like it was the one of the funniest opening scenes of like a dramatic black comedy that I have ever seen. Like it, it was great. I was like, okay, this is this is a good start to a movie. Any movie that has that kind of opening scene, it's gonna be a good start to that movie. Whatever it, is. it could be, Schindler's List. We're like, okay, this is the best five minutes of a movie ever. Um, it, it was funny. It was very, very funny. And then it got really sad. And then it got really funny, but in the way that makes you hate yourself for laughing. And I, I don't want to give any spoilers because it's really... Let's just say this couple gets talked into buying this coffee table. They get convinced that this husband is making a good decision for buying this coffee table. Um, And then he assembles it once it's delivered. And then life just turns to absolute dog shit for them. And they present it in a way that is both horrifically sad and they hide it with humor. It's it's funny because you know the truth, but not everybody in the movie does. Uh, all the other characters are still oblivious to what the fuck is happening um, and or why. But you know, and so the things that are happening, you're going to fucking laugh. But then you're going to be like, oh my God, I'm that's so bad. Like, why am I laughing? I'm a terrible human being. You'll you'll feel pretty shitty about yourself. Um, but you'll laugh while feeling bad. It's 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 just I mean there were parts that were ridiculously funny. Ridiculously funny. But not because they were in you know outwardly comedic. They were just you know the whole story because you're watching the movie and you've seen everything that's going on. It's, it's just that's one of the best ways to do dark black comedy is the way they did it. And it's just, it's, I can't say it's so good because it is so dark, but it is, uh, if you're a fan of dark, dark comedy, not dark humor, not like, <laughs> I made a dead, a dead baby joke. Uh, or a dead dad joke, or a dead whatever. No, you need to be, you need to be able to not hate yourself like for real for very long, for laughing at some of the shit that gets talked about in a truly sad situation. Um, yeah, if humor is a coping mechanism for you, eh, this this is probably probably your vibe. If it's not, then <laughs> don't watch it. Or if you're overly sensitive don't watch it um it's not scary in any way shape or form i mean there's like one scene that's like oh my god but other than that uh not really scary no jump scares or anything like that other than the fact it is just a super dark comedy uh is really what it was but through the very last line of the movie it was i mean just that last line of the movie brings it together to be honest so the coffee table See it if you're uh, willing to feel like an asshole for a while. The last movie we saw um, on that Sunday night before we drove home the next day was called Suitable Flesh. And Suitable Flesh was a story of a 
I want to say it was a demon of some kind, um, looking for a new host in a human body um, to possess, basically to establish new life within and, you know, suitable flesh. Was it suitable? Was it a suitable body? It is the story of a, she's like a psychiatrist or psychologist on a, I don't think it was a jail, it was like a mental health facility. Um, and then there is another therapist, I believe she was, maybe a psychiatrist, but not in the mental health facility, but they know each other, et cetera, et cetera, a rich old guy and his son. And uh, the non-hospital therapist and her husband, that's basically the characters. Um, and then this demon possession thing, you know, bouncing around people from body to body. Uh, that's that's the overall arcing theme behind it. It had, and it's, this movie is brand new. It stars uh, Heather Graham and Barbara Crampton. Barbara Crampton's like a horror movie icon. She also did soap operas when I was looking. I did not know that, but I'm also not surprised. She did soap operas in the early 90s, uh, Young and the Restless, and I don't remember the other one. Um, and then Heather Graham, who, you know, tall blonde girl. Who doesn't love Heather Graham looking at you, roller girl, in uh, Boogie Nights? Or... Austin Powers too. Well, basically, Heather Graham's just, she's just a pretty girl. She's great in The Hangover. Um, anyway, whatever. This movie felt like um, an early, it felt like a combination between the mid-90s Cinemax and HBO skin flicks mixed with daytime soap operas. That's what it felt like as far as the vibe. Even like the way it was filmed, it looked just like it, it looked just, they have a look to them, whether it's the lighting or camera or, or field of depth. I, I don't know. Like I, I never went to film school or any of that shit. They just have a look that you look at that. You're like, this is either going to be a soap opera or porn or, you know, like softcore porn, that type of thing. That's the look that this one had the acting. And I don't know, like, Barbara Crampton has been in some movies where she's a great actor and her character's great and like all the actors are great and everybody's great. And then she's been somewhere it's not the case. And then Heather Graham, I don't think has ever once been called like a really good actor. Um, she's not like a terrible actor, I don't think, but she's not known for her. She's no Meryl Streep. We'll just say that. Uh, and the other, <laughs> the other people that are in it, there's one guy, he's a younger guy. He's the rich guy's son. Um, yeah, <laughs> I don't. I don't even have words. There, were, the whole audience laughed again. This was like the last movie. It was like eight o'clock. The whole audience laughed, and the movie, the movie makes you wonder: Did they make it bad on purpose? Some of the dialogue was just that bad. That cheesy bad like it was just like a classic b movie um something you would find on usa late night in the mid 90s something that joe bob back in the day might show or even today might show um on the last drive-in it's i don't know it's i didn't hate it it was just eh, what the fuck is happening it's so 
<laughs> it's if you can appreciate like an actual B movie as far as a we know this movie is not really all that good and it's just kind of ridiculous but here's a couple of attractive ladies in their 50s and 60s that you've been a fan of for years and years um, of their movies and then just them uh, you know maybe you'll appreciate this <laughs> I don't know if that's the case for me I'm, I have very mixed feelings about it like I think fan genre fans like horror genre fans will have a good time watching it especially if you're not watching it alone like if you're watching it with friends and you're just at home and you can talk shit then you probably have a good time people who watch scary movies and are oh my god it's it's fall it's time to cuddle up and watch some horror movies this is not the horror movie for you this is <laughs> this is a movie you'll be like why did you tell me to watch this that's how i look at this movie um it is goofy and stupid eh, but kind of fun like because it's just it's one of those movies that's bad but it's just it's like fun bad um you know those types of movies like they're out there there's plenty of them out there uh i i don't know all i will say is barbara crampton is 64 years old and heather graham is 53 and both of them look fantastic and nothing wrong with a couple of attractive blondes even if they're older um being horror movie icons even though heather graham's i don't know if she's been in other horror movies but you know, Barbara Crampton's been around forever, does the festival thing, uh, even though I don't think she's made it to any of the festivals. We Oh, no, she was at one of them. It might have been, wasn't Telluride. I think it was, might have been The Overlook. I think she actually made an appearance. I don't remember what movie it was, or maybe it was Stanley Film Festival. I can't remember, uh, but I'm pretty sure she made it to one of the festivals that we did. Her and it was like, I think most of the cast of the movie that they did. So I want to say it was Stanley Film Festival, and I want to say it was called Daniel Isn't Real, which I didn't like, but I'm not even sure she was in that movie because that movie was dumb to me. So, uh, But anyway, Suitable Flesh, again, genre fans watching together will probably at least have a fun time watching it. People who watch scary movies, uh, yeah, just skip it. You're not going to enjoy it at all. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's ridiculous. There are a couple movies that I'm not even going to talk about at all um, that I that I won't bring up. But for honorable honorable mention, I got four movies that real quick I'll run through. Um, one of them was called Falling Stars. I really liked it. I didn't consider it a horror movie. Um, the last couple of years, there's been movies that were more on the sci-fi vibe that had. I don't know, maybe it's just because they're independent, but they were really well done. This one had a little bit of a horror vibe to it in the in the the realm of like people just get taken type of thing, go missing. Uh, but Falling Stars was I really liked it, but it was it was not horror um, per se. It could have been very easily well. <sighs> I don't want to give it all away, but so they basically have this in this movie. They have this seasonal thing that kind of follows the um, they call it the harvest. And I can't remember if it follows the actual like fall harvest. Um, but anytime you see these these falling stars that they're actually angels 
and the angels, you know, you see one, whatever, they're, they're not good times. They, they take people and they harvest humans. Um, that's the, the overall premise of the movie. And it basically follows around a small group, a small family, um, dealing with that for the first harvest is what they called it. Uh, but it was, it was good. Like it was, it was pretty intense. It was it, curious. It was like an alien abduction movie, but instead of aliens, they were angels, which is a nice take on it. I really, I enjoyed that aspect of it. Um, but still, I, I thought it was more sci-fi than anything. It's just the whole premise of shit falling from the sky and people go missing. That's, it's eventually, that's pretty much what it was. Uh, another movie that I didn't think I would enjoy at all, uh, cause I didn't know anything about it. it was called infested and we weren't originally seeing this one, but we had to change our schedule. Uh, one of the movies that we were going to see, I think for whatever reason, they ended up having to pull out of the festival or it was coming out on like shutter soon. So Chris changed it up. But Infested is a spider infestation movie, and I am not a spider person, not a bug person. Uh, but spiders, they don't do it for me. Arachnophobia scared the shit out of me as a kid. And unless the spider movie is like Eight-Legged Freaks or something where it's, oh, gigantic spiders, I'm probably not going to have a desire to watch it. So I went into this with an open mind, and I was not disappointed. This was, I mean, it was gross, and the whole audience was like... You know, you get a bunch of people who watch a lot of fucking horror movies and see some really gory shit on a semi-regular basis. Um, spiders are their weakness. That's all I'll say. The crowd was like grossed out and ew and icky. As it was, it was a. Uh, there were some parts that I'm like, that's that's awful. I don't like thinking about that at all. Uh, but it wasn't. It made your normal spider movie look lame by comparison. Um, but it wasn't like overly gross or anything, which was nice. Like it didn't, other than just the, the creepy crawly factor, it didn't have the typical horror movie gore or anything like that. So that was good at least. But what it did have, um, somebody compared it to like Attack the Block, which is awesome if you haven't seen Attack the Block. Um, it did feel very much like that. It's basically... This building uh, gets infested with this exotic spider and shit gets crazy. And now they're trying to get out of the building so they can survive and uh, takes place in, in England. It had some really, really funny moments, too. And then it got, you know, the first half of the movie was probably a lot more open to the humor. And then it sat in a more serious tone through the through the last, last half. But it was fun. Like it was fun and it was intense. And you really start hoping for everybody in it. Uh, especially because like spiders is the one of the more realistic things that we deal with. Like I'm it's not too often that I'm looking up at the sky and I'm like, oh hey, look, a shooting star. Oh, it's probably an angel, and now I'm gonna be abducted. No, that's never once happened in my life where I thought that. However, I have thought about being totally encased in spider web material and drained of all my fluids by even the smallest spider. So yeah infested um if you're not afraid to watch a spider movie watch it it's 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 i really liked it actually another one was called i will never leave you alone and this is about a guy who gets released from prison and 
I want to say this one was a foreign language movie too. Maybe Spanish or French. Can't remember. Um, gets released from prison after like six years. And as part of his parole, he has to get a job. And his parole officer sets him up with like a real estate agent to go sit in a house for, um, I don't remember what it was called. But it was basically like the Chinese version of Shiva, but more spiritually for the spirit. Like, say somebody dies in the house and their spirit didn't make it to heaven. Now it's just kind of hanging out in the house where they need to do this cleansing where for six or seven days they light candles and say a prayer. And then that spirit makes it to heaven and the house is now cleansed. That's the whole idea for it. Um this one had like I like the movies with with the good humor. This one had a lot of good humor, a lot of good uh creepy factor to it and some uh super dark stuff inside of it which was uh it kind of came out of nowhere. There were there were aspects behind the the stuff that led up to him going to prison that you have an idea of how it might have happened and then you find out you were way the fuck off. Um, I liked it. It was kind of all over the place a little bit, but it was, it was really well done. Uh, but I would say if you get a chance to find a movie called, I will never leave you alone. Check that one out. Really? I really quite like that one. No, and it wasn't a foreign language movie. The main guy just didn't speak. That's right. He, his role, at least through his role as the, uh, parolee, he didn't, he didn't talk. Um, but that one, that one was a good one. I like that one. And then lastly, the, a movie called the origin, the origin. Um, I think they said at the beginning of the movie, it took place like 45,000 years ago. Um, I don't remember if it said 45,000 years ago or 45,000 BC, but it said it was 45,000 years ago, essentially is what it was. Or 4,500. Must have been 4,500. Fuck, now I can't. I'm sad I can't remember. Uh, but it's Cavemen, um, essentially. That one I really like. It was... It's Cavemen people. And they had just left the place they were and inhabited a new new place and now they're trying to survive and there's a monster essentially is what it turns into it's more than that and it is this one's foreign language I'm not sure if they created their own language or if it was something like it was done in uh norway or sweden i want to say it was one of the uh one of those countries norway sweden finland it said it and i can't remember and i didn't look it up because i suck um so i think it was in that language but uh, it was, it was good. It was violent. It had a lot of, uh, a lot of brutality, not a lot of gore, which was nice, but it, it did have some brutal, brutal action, which, you know, caveman days and monsters and just animals and stuff like that. But the biggest thing that was like terrifying for me was just the environment. You go camping and you're like, Oh yeah, I'm outside. I'm camping. And Oh, this is scary out here. But I mean, that was life when you think about it back then. But what I liked, it's, you know, it's talking about the origin of people, talking about the origin of monsters, that type of thing. Um, there was more to it than just the monster aspect as as you get into it. 
but it was really well done. It was really beautifully shot. And the vibe throughout was very, very creepy because you didn't, you just didn't know what to expect. You didn't know what was happening between being in the foreign language, being the fact that it's fucking cavemen. Um, you know, they're wearing like skins, furs and stuff like that. And starving to death. They mention how hungry they are quite a few times. And then the monster action shows up, which I won't get into the monster is like some big black beast looking thing. Um, you just don't know what exactly is happening for a really long time. And then you find out and you're like, Oh, Oh, and then you know more about it. And then it, Kind of leads you down a, a deeper hole. And if you think about it even harder, then I'd be interested to see. If you see the origin, if you watch the origin, find me on social media. Let me know what you thought. I would love to talk to you about it because I I really liked it. I'm only giving it honorable mention here, but I actually really liked it. Um, it was really well done, I thought. And then just the the true story after having seen it. I don't want to give any spoilers out for it. The true story after having seen it, you know, if, if you're, if you know anything about human history, I'd be interested in what you think of that movie. So check it out. Anyway, we did tell your ride. We had brown dog pizza cause that's a staple. We had steamies cause that's a staple. Uh, did we go to the taco place? We tried to go to a taco place there. Uh, Nora, I don't remember what it was called. It used to be called Nar Tacos, and they relocated. Um, where the fuck did they move? They moved to Ridgeway, I think is where they moved. And now there's another place in where they were located. We went there one day, but they were closed for a private event, and we were not cool enough. So no tacos for us. And there's also the Wood Ear. It's like a, I think it's a Japanese restaurant. It looks pretty expensive. It's like... I don't know. When I went to um the hell's the name of Homeboy's Ramen Place in Vegas in New York, not Milk Bar. Um Momofuku. When I went to Momofuku, I paid 30 something dollars for a bowl of very delicious ramen. Uh but that's, you know, I was in Vegas and I was in uh Cosmopolitan or no. Well, yeah, I was in Cosmopolitan and it was delicious and worth it. Well, I mean probably get equally good ramen elsewhere for way less than 30 bucks but uh this woodier place looked like they had ramen for the same price but they also did a bunch of other shit but telluride's expensive anyway so big shocker there we stayed um maybe i should have talked about this when i talked about getting to telluride i might have talked about it last year but this year we did not stay at um it's called the mountainside lodge is where we usually stay and that's you know normal normal ski resort hotel where the rooms are generally crappy not crappy they just do their job right um but because of the solar eclipse that happened that same time that we were there which i didn't even think about it at the time but apparently rooms were insanely expensive um or at least more than what chris and i had been paying every other year since um or since we've been doing it and we ended up staying at the bivy hostel which is about a 20 minute drive back out of Telluride. Um, and I, I totally forget the name of the tiny little town it's in. Uh, but it's when you first turn off the road coming from Ridgeway and you actually turn to go into Telluride. It's about 
two miles in from there, two and a half, three miles in from there. Um, but that's a nice hotel. Chris actually booked us last year when we stayed there. We stayed there one night, and he booked us. It was a queen, a queen and double something or other, and it ended up being a queen and double bunk bed. Uh, this time it was actually two queens and was more like a regular hotel room, which was really nice. Appreciated that. And I always appreciate Chris. Chris books all this stuff, and then I just reimburse him for all the lodging. Um, but yeah, like the Bivy, B-I-V-V-Y. There's another one, I wanted to say it was in Vail or Aspen or something, but uh, if you just Google Bivy, Bivy Telluride, this this isn't sponsored. They're not paying for, for any of this, but... It, which is probably good because I don't have any listeners. Um, or, you know, not like a lot of listeners. The Bivy Hostel in down by Telluride. If you just Google the Bivy Hostel Telluride or the Bivy... I want to say it's the Bivy Hostel. Maybe it's the hotel. I'll have to look again. But it's uh, it's 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 a nice place. And if you're not going to be there, I know like people that go for... that have to do work there. Saw a lot of people there working. Um, but I know there were a couple other people. There was a... Oh, if their husband and wife or boyfriend and girlfriend, I just referred to him as Capri Sun because when I met the guy uh, the first night we were there, he was carrying like this massive thing of Capri Suns when I held the door for him. But he was actually at the festival, so I always just referred to him as Capri Sun. So they were cool people. Uh, but yeah, tell you right, 2023. That was, let's see, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 22, 23. That was our eighth consecutive year doing the Telluride Horror Show. So, yay for us. That's my story. Thanks for coming by to listen to me yammer on about movies and such. Hope you all are doing well. I appreciate you. And I might uh, stop this recording, save this recording, and then go back to bed because it's now 7.30 in the morning and I've been up for three hours for some stupid fucking reason after going to bed at 1.30. With that, I bid you adieu, and this episode will come out the week of Thanksgiving. So, happy Thanksgiving. Stuff yourselves on turkey, or not. Do whatever. Love you all. Thank, Thank you for listening to Death Metal Disco. Disco.